Thank you for joining us. This broadcast is made possible by the Lord and the donations of brethren like yourself. If you would like to give a donation to help keep this broadcast on the air, please visit llgive.com. Thank you and shalom. Shalom and Hag Sameach to you and to your family. My name is Ephraim Judah from Lion and Lamb Ministries, and we thank you for joining us here for our Arab Shabbat broadcast. Um, today is April 19th, and there are many of brethren that we know, most uh, within Judaism as well as in the Hebrew Roots community, are celebrating their Passover seders on this evening. We have a special service uh, for you for Arab Shabbat. Um, this is a time in which we take a break from our usual uh, Torah portion, and it is actually scheduled to teach about Passover, and it's special this year as well. With uh, we actually have two weeks, we are where we are taking a break from the usual Torah cycle, and we are teaching about Passover. So we have a special service for you next week as well. But for tonight, we thank you for joining with us, with our family uh, here for this Arab Shabbat where we can set apart the Sabbath and where we can hear worship and the word of the Lord. A couple of announcements that we have for this week. Uh, we are running right now a fundraiser to build up our assets for our Feast of Tabernacles. If you go to llgive.com, you can make a donation to help us to be better stewards of the Lord's resources, um, where we are running an a- asset fundraiser for our events. We here at the ministry need to purchase um, a sound system, lighting system, as well as other pieces of equipment that we use for the Feast of Tabernacles, pieces of equipment we normally rent, uh, but it is starting to get to the point to where um, it would be better financially and being stewards of the Lord's resources to make some of these purchases. We're asking you to, if you have a willing heart, to donate to us uh, to help us with that goal. We would ask that you would prayerfully consider that, and you can go to the website or call our office if you'd like to make a donation at this time. We greatly appreciate it. Registration for our Feast of Tabernacles is open right now as well. If you go to tabernaclesevent.com, you can register your family there. Join us in Chandler, Oklahoma for many days of amazing teachings, worship services, kids programs, youth programs, fun for the whole family. So we encourage you to be a part of that um, so you can register there at tabernaclesevent.com. Also, we are still in the planning phases of a uh, summer tour where me and my family, we're going to be traveling throughout the West Coast to New Mexico, Arizona, California, Oregon, and Washington State. If you are in that area and you would like to uh, perhaps host me and my family, a speaking engagement or uh, anything um, along that trip, uh, we would love to see you and see the brethren there. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, please contact our office. You can email info at lionlamb.net 
or call and uh, express your interest in perhaps, hopefully, I would love to see all the brethren out there on the road to minister to you where you are at. So that's our announcements for this week. Once again, thank you for joining us, inviting us into your home for this week, this special service here at the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And now let us set apart this, the weekly Sabbath, with the Kiddush and the family blessings. Shabbat Shalom and Hag Sameach to you. Please join with our family as we usher in the Sabbath. unto the nations, and has given us Yeshua the Messiah, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Now, Kiddush, blessing over the cup. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. Amen. With it being the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we have matzah for this week. We give thanks to God for bread. Our voices rise in song together as our joyful prayer is said. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Olam, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from out of the earth. Amen. Amen. Husbands, now let's bless our wives. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for my wonderful wife that you have given to me. I thank you, Lord, for her, and for I pray that you would bless her with your very best blessing. Bless her as she sees about the ways of the household, as she takes care of the children and educates them. And Father, I confess that I love her with all of my heart. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless her on this Sabbath day. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. <laughs> and now let's bless our sons. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you be as Ephraim and Manasseh. It's okay. Amen. <laughs> now let's bless our daughters. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you be as Ruth and as Esther. Amen. 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 Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.
Bahu etarunai ham vorach, Baruch Adonai ham vorach le'olam vahed. Bless the Lord who is to be praised. Blessed be the Lord who is praised for all eternity. Amen. And now the Michamocha. Michamocha, Baelim Adonai. Michamocha, Nedahar Bachodesh, Nohora Techilot, Now the blessing of the Messiah. Baruch atah Adonai, Elheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu et derech ha-Yeshua b'Mashiach Yeshua. Altogether, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. And now the Veshamru. Veshamru v'nei Yisrael et ha-Shabbat, la-asot et ha-Shabbat, l'adrotam barit olam, b'nei ovayom b'nei Yisrael othi le-olam, k'sheshet yamim asadonai et ha-Shamayim v'et ha-aret v'yom ha-Shavi Shabbat v'yinafash. Altogether, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he ceased from his work and was refreshed. Amen. And now the Shema, if you'd all turn and face east toward Jerusalem for the watchword of our faith, the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuto Le'olam Vayed Yeshua HaMashiach Hu Adonai Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be His name, whose glorious kingdom is forever and ever. Yeshua the Messiah, He is Lord. Amen. And now the Ve'achavta. Ve'achavta et Adonai Ochecha, b'chol levavcha uv'kol nashicha, uv'chol meodecha. 
Veheyu hadevarim ha'ale asher nechim ezavcha hayom alevavcha. Vashinan tam lavenecha, vadepardabam beshiftacha, beyetacha, uvlechtacha, vederech ushakbika, uvkumika. Ukeshatam la ota yadecha, veheyu la totavolt binenecha, uketatama mozuzo betecha, uvisharecha. All together. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Amen. They are blessed, they are blessed, those who dwell in your house are blessed, they're ever praising you, ever serving you, how lovely is your dwelling place, how lovely is your dwelling place, Jehovah said.
Let's go to the book of Exodus, to chapter 12, where we will teach on the Pesach for this Erev Shabbat. And since we are opening the Torah, as always, I will do the blessing before the Torah. Baruch atarunai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher b'chabanu mekol ha'amim, venatan lanu etorato, baruch atarunai nonten ha-torah amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from among all peoples and has given us your Torah. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. For this week, we are going to be teaching on the subject of Pesach, Passover. Right now, as I said before in the intro, we the, tonight is the night in which many people are holding their Passover seders in their homes where they are celebrating the feast, the appointed time of the Lord that is Pesach, or we call in the English Passover. What I want to do is I do want to focus on, and I want to give an encouraging message about what this Passover really is to mean to us. 
Many of us have already heard a great deal of instruction about Passover. Those of us in the Hebrew Roots Messianic Movement, we know Passover has profound significance uh, to us and to our walk, not only to our faith in the God of Israel, where we honor and we recognize what God has done for Israel historically as he delivered them from the Egyptian uh, slavery through the Exodus, but also what Yeshua did when he gave, when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, this is a cup, this is the new covenant in me, and that he desired to keep the Passover with his disciples, and that we understand that there is profound significance to having a faith in Yeshua, the Messiah, and, and keeping the Passover, this appointed time in this holiday. It's one of those holidays that it beautifully connects those within Judaism and Christianity. Now, we know, of course, that not everybody on both sides of that ledger get along, um, where you have Judaism who doesn't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. And we also have Christianity that uh, has sometimes separated itself and made choices. And if you go throughout church history, some of the decisions that were made all the way back into the Byzantine Empire and the Roman, um, the Roman Catholics, they did made decisions for their faith to separate themselves from Judaism. And so us here now in the modern times, we, we find ourselves kind of as this bridge here in the Hebrew Roots Movement, especially where we see all the instruction that comes from the scripture, all of what God did for the children of Israel in Egypt and what Yeshua did for us in the first century and we see the whole picture the whole pattern and it's our desire i i would speculate to say and everyone in the hebrew roots movement desires to see a time that bridge continue to be strengthened and that truly uh, everyone in the world who has this concept of judeo-christian values that those in christianity those within judaism that we can all come together in with the, with the faith in one god the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God, the one who has, who will be our Messiah. Obviously, within Christianity, we believe the Messiah has come through, uh, through the life of Yeshua the Messiah. And that Judaism, though, they are still looking for the Messiah and the redemption of the Messiah. And I believe Passover will have a great significance to this great reunification at the end of the age. Reunification of the whole house of Israel, those that have been scattered into the nations and many walking throughout their lives, believing in Christianity. I believe that that gospel message that Yeshua sent out went out into the nations so that it might gather up the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The ones scattered into the nations, the ones who don't know their heritage actually lies back to Israel. And so I'm looking, I know Passover has this, has a great significance. So whenever we come to this feast, it is one of the most profound, special moments that we can have in our faith. Many brethren that I've met, my wife uh, especially, says this is her favorite holiday, her favorite holiday, because it has so much meaning. It has traditions in it that are, that are absolutely biblically sound and that just ministers to you and encourages you in your faith. I hope that as we celebrate Passover this year, that we would consider how profound this holiday truly is. We would let it penetrate and resonate inside our hearts, inside our lives, that it might be made special, that we truly would recognize how special it truly is. As the Lord passed over the children of Israel in Egypt, 
the angel of death, pass over the houses. We too are looking forward to the Lord. May he pass over any boundaries that we have within our spiritual lives so that we, our lives and our faith in him might be renewed just as the new covenant was made through Yeshua, the Messiah. Here in Exodus chapter 12, this is back to the story, the instruction for the original Passover, the original one that took place in Egypt. Many of us have heard this instruction. We have talked about it already in the Torah cycle. But let us recap some of this instruction. And I hope that I can bring out some more things that might encourage you, especially at this time of year, and encourage you as we keep the feasts of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt here in Exodus chapter 12. And this is after plagues had come against Egypt. And we tell in the course of the Passover Seder, we recount the story of how we ended up in Egypt and what the Lord has done and the miracles and the plagues that he has brought, the judgments that he has brought upon Egypt, upon the gods of Egypt. And that now there has been the announcement in chapter 11 of the death of the firstborn, the the last of these judgments. And the Lord says, after this happens, this is when Pharaoh will let you go. And this is exactly what God had already prophesied to Moses all the way back at the burning bush. There were going to be these great signs and these great judgments. Pharaoh was going to harden his heart. And now we come to this final judgment that is going to be the catalyst for Pharaoh finally letting the people go. This judgment upon the firstborn. And the Lord says to this, to uh, the whole house of Israel. Let me now read, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat. They shall eat its flesh on that night, roasted by fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted with fire. Its head with its legs, its entrails, and you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with your belts on, your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover or Pesach in the Hebrew. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Obviously, this instruction is given in advance of Passover. It describes that each family was to take a lamb on the 10th of the month and to then choose it and keep it for a period of time. And then... 
on the 14th is then when it was to be slain. And then there was this procedure and this for them to eat, that they were commanded to eat this lamb, roasted by fire. Not boiled or eaten raw, but roasted with fire, with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs. Eat it with your uh, belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, ready to leave Egypt. And on that night when it was eaten, the angel of the Lord or the angel of death would come through the land of Egypt and would bring this judgment. So this understanding would have been known for several days in advance. There would have been some preparation to it. This preparation of Passover, we liken in that to our, our lives as well. When we come to keep the Passover, we are to prepare ourselves to keep it. There is no, it's not something that we can do haphazardly. It's not something that we can just, on a whim, decide, okay, I'm going to keep Passover. No, we plan this event in advance. And the children of Israel had to do that as well. They would choose this lamb. They would number their brethren. They would figure out if a lamb was too much for a small household and who they had to join with so that they could then slaughter a lamb together. Two families joined one with another. We do the same in modern day as well, where we gather our friends, our family, we decide who's going to be at our Seder, who is going to partake of the meal with us. Preparation has to be done. Here's the other thing too, and historically the the story of what happened with this lamb was this. The lamb would be chosen, a lamb in the first year without blemish, and you would bring this lamb and you would the family would get to know what lamb has been chosen for Passover. And the family would get to interact with this lamb for a period of time. So much so that if you had young children, they would, they would get to know this lamb. This is, a, they, they would, they would pet it and they would have fun and they're a domesticated animal that is, that is easy to get along with and watch it pl- play and run. And there would be a, a joining. The lamb would become a part of the family for these days. Only, obviously, we would all know the foreknowledge, this is the lamb that's going to be killed and sacrificed on this day. And this is the lamb that's going to be killed so that we might have life, so that we might be passed over from death to life, that a judgment would be placed upon Egypt. Obviously, this is what they were thinking back in Egypt, is that this death was going to come and without the blood of this lamb, we would perish. This has profound connection, of course, to Yeshua the Messiah. Think of the disciples who got to, who, who walked with the Messiah, who learned from him. He became a part of their family. He was, he, he was one of their brothers and he was, uh, he, he walked, they walked together arm in arm, hand in hand. And so when he came and he then said, my time has come, it is nigh, I will have to suffer and that he was going to have to die. This was a shock to the disciples who were with him. Just as much so as a young child who was introduced to the family pet and they'd get to, get to know this animal, only this animal now has to die. This would have been a, a, a shock to, just as it was to the disciples, it's a shock to a young child or a member of the family who had to realize this is what needed to take place. This is, again, the profound connection and this is the camaraderie that we have with Yeshua the Messiah when we hear these teachings and these instructions from him. And it's like, man, I wish we could, I wish we could hear the words of the Messiah today. I wish I was listening to him speak rather than myself teaching on this era of Shabbat. And that is the camaraderie we should have with the Messiah. But if he did not die, we would not have the eternal life that we have the blessing 
and the privilege and the honor to have that comes from the Lord, just like the children of Israel and just like this lamb that was sacrificed. The passage continues on also saying that giving the instruction of the children of Israel, beginning in verse 14, that this was to be a memorial for them to remember what the Lord is doing at this time. Let me read. So this day shall be a memorial to you that you shall keep this feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast, as an everlasting ordinance. Now, this is something that where you question, it's all like modern day times. There's people that don't keep the Passover. It's like, no, when God gave an instruction, so many times it says this is an everlasting ordinance. This is to be kept forever throughout your generations. And anyone who would ever come and profess that God had one plan with Israel and another plan with the church means that when God said forever in when he spoke in his word, in the word of God here in our Bibles, when he said forever, did he really not mean forever? I submit he did mean forever that this is a statute that we are to follow. We are to memorialize this event for all time. That we are to teach our children. In fact, that's a major theme of this entire passage of Scripture, is how we were to teach our children of the miracles of what God has done for us. It continues on instructing us for about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verse 15. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven from your homes. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat. That only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on this same day, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month, at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your homes, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all of your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. This is this instruction that is pro- very profound to us who follow this, uh, this uh, holiday, this commandment. And this is why within Judaism they have done so many things and have so many traditions and additional commandments, so to speak, on how to make sure that we ensure, we ensure there is no leavening that is found in our homes. They have these lists of things that what you can and can't eat during this time. And they have additional lists and things that they even avoid at this time so that they might not be cut off from their people. That's an amazing threat, basically, that the scripture gives us sometimes. That if you follow this commandment, if you, if you do not keep a statute that God has given... You'll be cut off from among your people. No worse thing can be imagined. Being cut off from your friends, from your family, to be exiled away. That is, uh, that, that is a fear that any, nobody wants that to happen. So in the case of this commandment, as it says, this is something we need to pay very close attention to. And we should do an examination inside our homes. That there be no leaven in our houses. That is also a commandment for us spiritually as well, that there might be no sin found in our spiritual houses. 
That is what we are commanded to do. As much as the physical leavening that we use in our kitchens, that we use to cook, to make bread in our own households, there is sin that inhabits our spiritual houses and our spiritual lives. And we're commanded at this time to do a search within our own hearts that there may be no sin in our hearts. We have great things that we do to make sure our house gets clean. We check under all the, the, the cabinets and the drawers and we try to clean and scrub everything down and vacuum up the couch in uh, the cushions and the floors to get all that leaven out of our household. We should do the same in our own spiritual lives to check under all the different spiritual rocks and boundaries that we put in our lives in everything we do. What's our spiritual relationship like with our spouses, with our children, with our extended family members? What's the effort that we put in in our congregations and the things that we do? We need to examine under all in all the nooks and crannies of our spiritual life and the things that we do. And is there any leaven that is found in any of those places? That is the spiritual examination we are commanded to do. And that's the short teaching of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and what we are to do for this feast. Let me continue on. Verse 21 of chapter 12. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come into the land which the Lord will give you, just as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron so that they did. Again, this you see that theme right then and there that this whole event is to be more memorialized throughout our generations. We are to teach our children because we will have children later that will come and ask and say, well, what is this that we're doing? Why are we celebrating this, this Passover, this feast, this, this, why are we memorializing this? And we are commanded to instruct our children, to teach our children what it is the Lord has done for us. And that is one of the things that we have to remember, and that's why we have all the, the Seder and the order and the Haggadah and the retelling of the story, so that throughout our generations we might remember what God has done for us. Now, when it comes to this killing of the lamb and, and the putting the blood upon the doorposts, this is what they did back in ancient Egypt. This was a very interesting sort of procedure here as you sort of look at it and if you have a big wide open mind and you're kind of looking at that like okay hyssop and blood and painting blood on a door and all of these things man this sounds kind of this sounds kind of weird this sounds kind of strange as far as you know religion is concerned but the thing is everything has a plan and a purpose in what god is doing 
There's other teachings that you can get more information, but I hope to elaborate on a few of these things. It is the whole concept of what is called the threshold covenant. This is something that was done in ancient times that whenever sometimes a family might make a sacrifice that with covenant would be formed, a meal would be had within a household, and that there would be a sacrifice that would happen at the doorway of one's house. This is exactly what the children of Israel were commanded to do. There were, obviously, we're talking where there was no tabernacle or altar here. So when each family was instructed to take a lamb and they are all to slay the lamb, they didn't, they, they had their property, their houses where they lived. They didn't have backyards and like we do in our, in the suburbs. But what they did is they had a, sometimes when a sacrifice was made, they would do it outside of the house, of course, but they would do it at the doorway that the near their house so this was a sacrifice being made at their at their household there's also in you can see photos of this and in ancient times in ancient households the doors and the thresholds of these houses were built in a certain way to prepare for this exact sacrifice when it says that there was a basin and that you were to put the blood in a basin Households were made and thresholds of households were built with a bowl sort of carved into it or or shaped into the, the threshold so that it would catch any blood of this particular sacrifice or this particular killing of an animal. And there was a place for the blood to be channeled at the base of the door. And this is where sacrifices would be made. This would be done if you were ever going to have a covenant meal with somebody. This is where the, the, the cutting of a covenant would include a sacrifice and that you were having an honored guest or a family come over and you were going to join together with a family in covenant. The sacrifice would be made at the threshold and then part in the act of the covenant is that they everyone would step over the threshold. They would step over the place where the blood was at the threshold of the house and when someone entered into one's house, this covenant was formed. This covenant was, was, was made, and we kind of do this even in modern days without even realizing the importance of the threshold of one's house. There's little ceremonies. Whenever I say the threshold of one's house, there's certain, sometimes there's images that might pop into one's mind. Uh, first one that probably pops into most people's mind in the secular world is this. When a husband and wife get married, and there's a fun tradition some do it some don't that it's like that that the husband is to pick up his bride pick up his wife and carry her across the threshold of the house now there's all all kinds of studies on this and what it really means what it represents is that the covenant it's another act of the covenant being formed that she is coming into his house and is officially being adopted into his home by him carrying her across the threshold. We also do this in the case of protection between our household and the rest of the world as well. When you're talking about um, the protection of one's house, and you're talking about the thing in which if somebody was ever going to come in and come to do harm against you in your house, and that you have a right to self-defense, and you have a right to defend your home. What is that boundary line in which somebody is going to come against you and against your home? That boundary line is the threshold. You would be standing in your house, the your presumed enemy would be standing outside, and the time in which and the boundary that he crosses to where you know officially he is your enemy, if he came across the threshold into your house, 
without your invitation. That's the, that's the self-defense laws of when it's like when you can legally defend yourself against a thief, a home intruder, and you're going to defend them with your life and you might kill the intruder. That, that line is the threshold. He came into my home. As long as he's still there outside, that's where they say they have, that there's a court case to be had of somebody that, that the per homeowner couldn't say that he was in fear for his life or for his family. But if he crosses that line, that is when you, the homeowner has absolute legal right and authority to protect his home. That's the, this threshold thing actually has a lot to do with our covenant relationships with one another. This is when, that's why you, when you answer your door, there's sometimes you just sort of stay in your house and you talk to the person across the way, the person trying to sell newspapers. You have no intention of forming a covenant with this person, so you don't invite that person into your home. But somebody who's an honored friend or a, a, a good friend, a family member, a guest, you welcome them across the threshold with open arms. There's a lot of spirit, there's a major spiritual nature to this. Of who stays, uh, that your enemies stay outside of your threshold. Those you are in covenant with go across the threshold. In ancient times, there was another thing that was also a great offense. That if anyone was to ever step on the threshold, especially if the sacrifice had been made. It is not right for you to step with your feet upon the blood of the sacrifice. That would have been a great offense. And even to this day, uh, cultures from the Middle East, it is a great offense to even show somebody the bottom of your foot. Because what it is, is it's somebody, if you show the bottom of your foot, or if you step where you're not supposed to, then what you do is you're trying to assert authority over someone else. This would be a great offense. And that's why if somebody was ever to step on this threshold or step on this sacrifice, they would be presuming authority over the house. This is also why I believe that there's a huge connection to that mezuzah that we put upon our doorpost. The mezuzah that has the, the shin on it, which represents El Shaddai, Almighty God. The shin also represents the destroyer. And so when we put... That mezuzah, that marking upon our household, upon the doorpost of our house, we are giving authority to our Heavenly Father that He is the ruler of the house. He is the one who has the right to stand in the midst of the threshold because we turn to Him for our protection. And all authority goes to Him. He claims the authority of that household as he stands at the threshold of the door. Something else that's interesting you might not have known in ancient times, that the door of a house, oftentimes if there was ever going to be a decoration on the outside of one's house, it would be around the door. And you can see this actually if you, if you look it up. Ancient carvings around doors that would signify the honor of whatever God they worshipped in that house. The, the markings and the symbols and the gravings of that God would be represented on the threshold or at the door of that house. You can see this, of course, in, in ancient temples, but they would do this also amongst other people. There'd be carvings of whatever god they worshipped on the outside of the house. So in ancient Egypt, if anyone ever lived in a house like this, whether they be of the Egyptians or in Goshen with the Hebrews, if there was ever this thing, what, what was actually prescribed for them to do, if there was anything else on the outside of that door, whether it be some sort of marking or carving or honoring or idol, 
the blood of this lamb was supposed to be painted over all of it. It's like some people might submit to another God and pray to some other God for protection for their household. And that's who they give honor and reverence to in their house. But if you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you believe in this command he gave for this lamb to be slain, and it was this blood that was going to protect you from the angel of death, then what got covered up? Any sort of marking or carving of another, of another God was covered by the blood. That it was the blood that was going to protect them and not any other God that one might worship. This is all going into the, the details of the way that the ancients used to view the doorway and the threshold of one's house. I want to take us to a couple of other passages here. Let me now go to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, where this is um, some instruction that comes from the book of Hebrews, if I can find the book here. There we go. There are some passages here in the book of Hebrews that I absolutely love, in fact. In fact, this one is probably my favorite verse from the book of Hebrews. It is Hebrews chapter 10 at verse 28 where it says this. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Amen and amen. Anybody that might come to say that through the instructions of the New Testament and even using the book of Hebrews to say that the law of Moses is of no value, that it's been abolished, it's been fulfilled, and it has no effect anymore. The writer of Hebrews says right now, anyone who has rejected Moses' law without mercy dies on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Amen and amen. We're not, so, so I'm going to stand by that phrase. And I'm going to say, and here in the Messianic Hebrew Roots Movement, that all is still applicable today. Passover, the commandments, all of these things, and we marry that perfectly with our faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. Here's the next verse, verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? counted the blood of the covenant by which he was uh, sanctified a common thing, by counting the blood as if it was common, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is another phrase, uh, passage that's talking very much about the power of God and the honor and reverence we are to have to him. And that if anyone was to trample on the Son of God as if to make the blood of the covenant of no value, that this would be a blasphemous thing. Kind of interesting, I've just now been talking about the threshold, and I was just now talking about how the sacrifice was made, and the blood was at the, at the threshold of the door. And I also just told you the great offense that it would be if somebody stepped in the threshold, this is a profound statement now with that as a backstory. The Son of God, He is the Lamb of God sacrifice. The connection between Him and by His blood we are healed. And that it was the blood of that Lamb that protected the children of Israel. That is the blood that was at that threshold. And if somebody were to come and trample upon that blood, upon that sacrifice, what an offense that would be. Not only to this lamb sacrifice that was that was made at this doorway but also to the god of abraham isaac and jacob the son of god 
and his sacrifice and his blood that has made us new and clean in this covenant that we disregard him and his sacrifice. There are some that have done that, that have blasphemed the, the, the Lord and blasphemed the work of the Messiah and what he has done for us. God forbid that anyone do, do such a thing. Remember, that this Passover, we're connecting all of this together with our faith in Yeshua as well. Let's go to Luke chapter 22, and let me, let me tie this back together also with the Passover that the children of Israel did back in Egypt. Remember it said, this is a memorial to throughout your generations. You are to do this so that you might remember what God has done. Well, now listen to what Yeshua said here, and, and uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, summarizes this beautifully, beginning at verse 14 of chapter 22. It says this, When the hour had come, and he sat down with the twelve apostles with them, and he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Wow, interesting. This is now where, where this, this is the thing that Yeshua is now saying about the Passover. That yes, we're of course supposed to still remember what God did for in Egypt. But we are supposed to do all of these things in remembrance of Him. This is now that the way we memorialize this festival now connects to Him and His sacrifice and the blood that He that has spilled of Him, that this is the blood of the covenant. This is something to be regarded with honor and with reverence. And if we can do so when we keep our Passover seders, giving honor to the cup that is being blessed and the cup of redemption, and that we, it is simulating his blood shed for us. And when we eat the bread, it's his body that has been broken for us and that we do this in remembrance of him. That is what we are to do. We are to remember him through this sacrifice and as we keep this festival at all times. Now let's go to John chapter 10. This is where the Lord said something also very profound that connects again to this whole concept of him being this lamb that was sacrificed during the Passover. John chapter 10, let's begin at verse, uh, let's begin at verse Seven. No, let's begin at verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Yeshua used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Wow, really? They didn't understand that? 
I'm, perhaps it's because I'm reading this passage and we're talking about um, Passover and we're talking about the threshold covenant. We're talking about the children of Israel leaving Egypt that perhaps maybe we uh, kind of see the picture a little bit more. Did you really catch what, what was going on here? How is it that it, it's like that connects to Passover in a very profound way? The door. He that enters into the door, he is the shepherd of the flock. He that would come into the door, through the door, over the threshold, he comes, and then what is he going to do? He will lead his sheep out. <laughs> That's exactly what God did back in ancient Egypt. He is the one who ha- who walked over the door, and that's. Uh, let me go ahead and crack the code on that also. It's not just the angel of death that passed over the houses so that the firstborn might be spared. It was the Lord himself that passed over the thresholds of these houses to come in and make covenant with the children of Israel at that time. Passover has multiple meanings, and the Lord passed over each threshold into each house so that he might form a covenant with the people who were keeping this feast. And after he did that, he led them out. He spoke in his voice, and the sheep heard his voice, and they knew the voice of God. And when they left Egypt, and they started going in the wilderness, journeying to the Red Sea, what appeared before them? A pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, and it was the Lord that led the people, just as a shepherd leads his sheep. What an amazing illustration that is. And remember that also. It's the thief and the robber that would come into the home by any other means. It's the one who would mean to do harm to that household is the one that would not be invited by the keeper of the door and would cross over the threshold in the appropriate way. Let me continue on. Verse 7. Yeshua said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may they may have it more abundantly. Yeshua said, I am the door. He's the door. Okay. I thought he was the lamb. He was the sacrifice of the lamb. But then he says he is the door. Well, wait a minute. As I've been describing this in this procedure in in ancient times, that this blood was, there was a, a basin and there was a place for the blood to drain at the base. But then they were instructed to take hyssop and to dip it into the basin and then strike the, the door posts and the lintel across the top. Now, there's lots of teachings all about this, that, that when this formed, it formed a Hebrew letter, the Hebrew letter He, which is the primary letter, which means life or behold, and that he was obviously giving them life by the striking of the blood that formed this. But really, if you saw it in ancient times, if the household was, was built the way that I'm describing with this basin and this channel for the blood to be, the blood was at the base of the door as well. So the blood was down here, the blood was here, and the blood was here. The blood was all around the door. Yeshua said he is the door. And the blood of this lamb would form the shape of the door and would encompass the entire thing. This is the representation of him. 
He is the door. He is the one who is in the threshold, who is the threshold, because also he is the one that protects us, watches over us. And he is the one that we have formed a covenant with, and he is to be a part of our household. In the same way the lamb was invited into the home, the Messiah is invited into our home as well, and he becomes in and through and all of our home. The household. The, the, he's, I mean, he's the foundation of the house for which we build our house upon. He's the door. He's the sacrifice. He's also our heavenly father, that, a member of the family that we've made covenant with. Our household is to be the, the personification of him, that we believe in him. This is the relationship between us and the Messiah. We are to do this in remembrance of him, that we should keep this feast and, and, and keep this, this order and, and do all of these things so that we might remember what God has done for us all the way from the children of Israel being uh, bought out of slavery to become free, to be passing from death to life. And just as Yeshua did the same by his sacrifice that we have been passed from the death of the, to the slavery of sin, which the wages of sin are death, and that he has then become our Passover lamb, our sacrifice, so that we might have eternal life. The, the pattern and the parallel are the same. That is what we need to focus on there here for this Passover. We need to focus on when we celebrate this holiday, we are affirming the covenant of life that we have with our Heavenly Father, with the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. We are affirming the covenant. The covenant that He's made with His people. He's, he's made a covenant and He's renewed the covenant many times. Going all the way back to the covenant of life with Adam and the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Moses, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before Moses, before Him, the covenant with David, covenant with Joshua, all of the covenants that have been made are all connected together. All the way, yes, of course, to the new covenant that we have in our faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Our Heavenly Father, our God, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The power that He had to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt is the same God that has the power to deliver you out of your sin and to pass you from death to life, to eternal life with a faith in Him. That is what we should know, and that's what we should recognize as we keep this feast. The relationship that we have, the feast of redemption, He has redeemed us out of slavery, and that in the course of redemption, the way this worked in ancient times, when you would redeem a member of your family who had fallen into despair, into poverty, and had to sell himself to something and become a slave to someone, when a member of the family, a kin, would come and redeem him out of that situation, that means the member of that family would pay the price for what they owed, but then the person who was redeemed, you know what they were supposed to do? Devote their life to the family member that had redeemed him. That is what we are as believers. We owe our lives and our debt that we can, could have never paid, that we never, that we can't pay. We owe our life to the service of the one who has redeemed us. That is what we should have. That should be the testimony of every believer of Yeshua the Messiah. If we say he has redeemed us and delivered us and he is our savior and has paid the penalty, then we owe our lives to him who paid the price. 
It's a debt that we might never, we would never can pay. But we owe it to him to serve him. And that is what we should do as believers in Yeshua, is to serve him. Follow his word, his teaching, and his instruction. How to live with him in our lives. To live with his spirit and invite his spirit to inhabit our lives. And that we follow the Holy Spirit of God and not any other spirit that might lead us astray. Let me also go to John chapter 17. Most of the book of John talks about is the things that Yeshua was saying here at the Passover. It talks about how he washed the feet of his disciples and he identified his betrayer and all of these things. Here at the end of John chapter 17, this is fascinating. In chapter 18 is when they leave this the, the Last Supper and go into the Garden of Gethsemane and they go to pray and then he's arrested and that continues on what would later lead to the crucifixion. Before they left the Passover, Yeshua said this to his disciples. He prayed for them. He prayed for them beginning in chapter six, in verse six of chapter 17. But then also in my scripture, there's a, there's a segment here beginning at verse 20 where Yeshua prayed for all believers. Now, Yeshua being the son of God, the Yeshua having, coming in the authority of God, I believe Yeshua has the ability to speak words that exist outside of time that are rings true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that means this prayer that Yeshua spoke over us even at another time and another place, these words are still applicable. And Yeshua himself prayed for the believers. Let me read those words here. John 17, starting at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, speaking to the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all, they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me. And I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me and they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, and you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Interesting, very, very profound words here talking about the Yeshua praying for us, all believers, and that through us, the world might know of him who sent me, of him who sent Yeshua, that we are to live our lives and walk out our lives. Now that we have been redeemed, now that we have this covenant relationship with the Messiah, that the world might know the Lord through us. This is obviously the commission of the Great Commission to all the believers to go and make disciples of the nations, go and be a light to the nations so they might see and know of the works of the Messiah and the works of God through us. 
when we tell this story, we can tell this story to our neighbors, and many people already know the story of the redemption that God did and what he did for the children of Israel back in Egypt. And this is all a part of the testimony by which we have a covenant with Yeshua, that the world might know him through us. But also that very last thing that he said, that it's like that the love that the Lord has for his son, for his only begotten son, and the love that they has for the believers and for his family, that that love might be found in us. That is what we should do here, and this is what we should learn. Remember, this was a Passover Seder, and this is what Yeshua said. This is the last thing that it's recorded that he said before he left the supper to go and pray in the garden. And he prayed for all believers to have the love of the Most High God in them. It's also, that's the theme of, of the uh, epistles of John, the letters of John as well, at the end of the New Testament, telling us that that is the greatest thing, that God is love, and that truly we are to keep this as a commandment to love one another. That is, whenever we go about and live our lives here spiritually, as we interact with our fellow brethren, we have got to learn that we have a love and a, there's a kinship and there's a covenant relationship that we have with all of our fellow believers. Unfortunately, we don't see that as often sometimes. We'll, we'll always never fail to get into a debate about any manner of thing, whether it be the interpretation of a certain commandment or whether it be what calendar we keep or when to keep the Passover and how to keep the Passover and what traditions have certain origins that might be pagan and all of these different things, we never fail to get into a debate about such things. When the Messiah, the last words that he said and almost a, a plea, this prayer that he has before the Father, that all the believers in him might have love for one another that we might have love within us, just as he is in us and we have a relationship with him and he, uh, us in him and, and with, uh, there's a connection between all of, uh, all of us and all of the believers that we might have love. We all know some believers, people that we call our brethren, call our, even our family members, there is sometimes, it's, sometimes that's missing. Sometimes we still, we still will debate about various things and, and, and struggle with the arguments with one another. May I submit that when we keep Pesach this year and every other year after this, that we truly understand what the focus needs to be. The focus is, of course, on Yeshua. He who said, do this in remembrance of me. And the power of God, the power that he, did, that he displayed when he put all those judgments upon Egypt as well. And it's all about that relationship, that covenant relationship that we have with the Messiah. And why he had to die. He had to die so that we might have eternal life just as the lamb in Egypt had to die so that they might live. And that this relationship, and if we are arm in arm, hand in hand with our fellow brethren, if we invited people into our homes to partake of the lamb together, first of all, there's a lot of people in the, in the Midwest, a whole lamb is too much food for, for a whole family. You'd have to have a family, probably of a, upwards of 15 to 20 people, truly to consume a lamb. A whole lamb that had been that had been slain so that you might cook with fire and so that you might eat. This is a commandment and this service was done with brethren. 
it was done with, with a fellow neighbor that would come together. They would join together to keep this feast. So we need to remember on this Pesach that it is about the love that we have with our neighbor so that we might love our neighbor, which is the second greatest commandment, to love them and join together with them in covenant in remembrance of the of Yeshua, our Messiah. Yeshua doesn't walk the earth today. He doesn't. He, he, he was slain at the slain at the foundations of the earth so that we might have eternal life. But he is alive, and he has to be alive in us. And that he, who is God, God, love, hand in hand, God is love. That is what needs to be in us, the love for our brethren and love for the Messiah and, the, and what he has done for us. This is the purpose of Passover. It's not... Uh, it, it's not about having a, a great fantastic dinner to play a great host and, and decorate the house a certain way. No, it is truly about being in covenant with one another. It's not about how you keep the Passover. It's not about exactly what symbols you use on the Seder plate to show. There's a lot of traditions and there's a lot of things. And, and many other parts of the Passover Seder are about teaching our children and about teaching the brethren of these symbols that, that, that beautifully reflect the power of God, the egg for the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, the green vegetable for the planting of the Lord, and the, and the dipping of the salt water to represent tears and being born again. And all of these other symbols are, are amazing and profound to teach us about these things. But when it's all said and done, the most important thing about Pesach is a covenant relationship with the Most High God. And a relationship with our brethren who also partake in this meal, in this feast. This is the personification of the greatest and the second greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is the embodiment of Passover. So as you keep the feast in your homes, in your families, however you do it. Whatever you eat during that time, whether you bring in brisket or you eat lamb or whatever list of leaven that you might follow. Some people will eat rice, some people don't. Whatever Haggadah you follow, whether you find one that's maybe more Christian in origin or whether it's a traditional Jewish Haggadah or a Messianic Haggadah, whichever one you follow, never forget at its heart and at the very soul of what Pesach is to mean to us is a covenant relationship i pray that this time would be a time when we would all come together spiritually as one just as the messiah prayed for us that we might be one one in him who created us and one as a community of brethren let there not be strife or malice amongst us but nothing but love that joins us together as one, even if we don't do the Seder exactly the same as another, let us know at the heart, Pesach, our Passover lamb, our Passover sacrifice, has been slain for us so that we might have eternal life. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for this appointed time. We thank you for the Passover sacrifice. 
Father, I pray that this would mean something to us, Lord. Though even if we've done it for many years, Lord, you're always your word of God is alive and powerful, and sometimes something becomes new and alive to us each and every year, each and every time we retell the story, Father. Cause something to be made new and fresh in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and renew us, Lord, in our covenant with you. For you have redeemed us, Lord, from the slavery of sin, for the, for the mistakes that we've made, the wrongdoing that is solely our fault, Lord. You are our loving Heavenly Father who has redeemed us, who has paid the price, Lord, and it was a high price to pay for our sins. So we confess our faith in you, Father, and we devote our lives to you. And may that commission, that testimony, Lord, be made new at this time, Lord, at the time of your appointed feasts, your Moedim. Father, I pray for everyone to have a beautiful, peaceful Passover Seder and an amazing feast of unleavened bread, Lord. Father, I pray that you would spiritually clean our homes, Lord, of our, of our sins and our mistakes, Lord. Just as we have cleaned our homes of the leaven and the bread or, or whatever needed to be cleaned out of our homes, Father, we have done that work to prepare for this feast. So, Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for this time. We give you all honor, glory, and praise in this place. May your will be done in all things and your kingdom come very soon. It's in Yeshua's name, our Messiah, that we pray these things. Amen. Now the blessing after the Torah. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher natan lanu Torah temet V'chai alam nata betochenu Baruch atah Adonai Nonten HaTorah Amen Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the Torah of truth and has planted everlasting life in our midst. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the sun has set on a Friday night bringing peace into your home. Families will gather all around singing Shabbat Shalom, everybody sing. Shalom. Shalom. 
a gift from God has put a smile upon your face. He's got the whole world in his hands, so obey his commands, and you will know peace. Shalom.